especially online. You know, the danger is really quite um, high for, for teenagers to be involved with um, in online sexual exploitation. And that does still come down to parents monitoring and um, having conversations with their children, but really keeping a close eye on what their kids are doing online. Hello and welcome to Obehi Podcast. I'm your host, Obehi Ewafo. And I strongly believe that everyone has a story to share. Now let's get started with this episode. Now, let's go back to what you were saying before about the safe uh, environment or the safe place. Uh, yes, I think this is the responsibility that all of us have. Uh, if we are parents, no, we must be able to guarantee uh, a safe environment for our children to grow because they didn't choose to come to this world. It, it was our choice to have children. Therefore, it is our, it our responsibility to make sure that they grow where to give them a safe environment. So tell me about that safe environment. How do we create it? How does it work? Mm. Um, so I think there's um, four big things that are important in a safe environment in terms of sexual abuse prevention, and that's um, monitoring, supervision, safe delegation of care, and communication. So monitoring would involve things like you, you, you know, you monitor your child's relationship so you know who their friends are, who their parents of their friends are. You know, you make sure that you know um, where your child, you know, which friend they're with and um, you monitor their interactions. So you monitor their, especially any um, interactions with um, adults or older children, extended interactions that involve one-to-one -one time. Um, you monitor their online behavior. You know who they're chatting to online. You know what they're doing online. You don't have their, your child have devices in their bedrooms, definitely not in their bedrooms overnight. Um, you talk to your child about safe internet use. You know, you make your child aware that there are people who say they're 13, but they're not really 13. Um, um, you monitor, um, yeah, you always know where your child is and who they're with. So for sexual abuse to occur, it has to involve one-to-one -one time with a perpetrator. There is no other way that it can happen. And so um, sometimes that time is only quite short, but it does involve one-to-one -one time alone. So that's what we need to be careful. So parents always need to make sure they're monitoring or checking in with their child about one-to-one -one time with adults or older children. And um, so that's um, the next step was supervision. So again, making, making sure that you're supervising your child, you know where your child is and who they're with. Um, there's um, sexual abuse by strangers, that danger is quite low. It's normally known people. Um, however, obviously when you're out and about, you do supervise your child, especially around you know public change rooms or bathrooms and swimming pools and that kind of thing. So it also involves supervision when the child is out. Um, so delegation of care is important because we know from research, we know that there are some higher risk times such as bedtimes, bath times, those kind of intimate care duties. So it's important to limit other people doing those. Um, like you don't delegate that care to someone who's not a biological parent or you really try to limit that. Um, you know, you make sure that you don't, there are certain high-risk groups such as um, adolescent 
babysitters um, are quite a high risk group. And so, you know, you would be um, encouraging parents to think about using other types of babysitters other than, say, a teenager who might be um, offering to babysit for free. Um, and then communication. I mean, it's important to talk to children, always have open discussions about everything about their relationships and their friendships and time alone that they have with people to check in with them. So I would say that the checking in with the child is the very minimum, like I was saying before, sometimes it's really difficult to do all these things. It's difficult, especially if you're trying to work and you really need someone to care for your child. And there's all kinds of issues that mean that some of these steps are really hard to take. Um, but the very minimum that needs to be done really is checking in with children. So always if they have been somewhere or they've been with a babysitter or they've um, been somewhere where you wouldn't ideally like them to be or have left them, but you, you had to, you would then do checking in. So always checking in with the child about the interaction they've had or where they've been. So saying, um, you know, um, what, what happened in that time? And, you know, what did you like about it? What did you not like about it? Was there anything that worried you? So always talking to the child about um, any activities they do and, um, and uh, always checking in about their online behavior as well. So these are just some of the, the techniques, some of the tools that we teach parents and we give them scenarios and kind of help them work through how would you in this situation be able to just make the environment a little bit safer. So that's our main aim, just working with parents to try to just make little changes that would make that situation a bit safer. Mm -hmm. Okay, now looking at the maybe the second part of the or the second phase as it were of your project which is parent interaction uh, tell me a little bit about that how do you approach it yeah so just um always um you know i think i think as parents sometimes we don't tend to actively listen or we don't tend to ask open-ended questions so i would say you know setting aside a time where you do just listen and you don't have your phone and you're not on, a, on another device you're not working but you're just spending time with the child um, or the teenager and listening. Um, I think some people feel that that can be a little bit intense, especially some adolescents, and I think especially boys um, feel this way, that sometimes it can be a bit intense to actually just say, oh, we're going to sit down now and have an intense chat. So that can be a bit too much pressure and a bit too intense. So we can be just in that when you're driving somewhere or walking somewhere, so you're not actually kind of sitting, looking at each other, but you're you're facing the same way. Um, and just asking them about their feelings, asking them about their, their lives, their friends, their interactions. And so it's just ha always having that. And that, that strong, if that starts early, that strong foundation can then help the child disclose things to you if they do have issues of concern or if something is bothering them. It just has a relationship where the child is able to um, come to the parents if there's any problems or tell the parent if they do have concerns about an interaction that they're having with an adult or an older person. All right, communication, it might appear very simple, but I don't think it is. Uh, it is uh, <laughs> sometimes deep, no? We, we, yeah. we don't understand it enough, I mean, on the average, no? But if you are trained now, then you're able to decode a certain thing when somebody is talking yeah. to you. Um, so in this respect, since we now need the parent to be able to monitor their children, their conversation, because you are not there with their with their friends, no? You are not there with the person that they are talking to. And now your child is going to tell you something that help you understand who is the person that he or she has talked to 
Uh, how did the person make him or her feel? And now, for you to be able to understand that, you need a little bit of understanding, even yourself. Uh, sometimes, some parents are not well equipped to understand this perfectly. Or maybe I'm wrong. So help me understand yeah. it. Is there a need that maybe some parent might need to understand how to decode some of this information that their children might be feeding them? Mm. It's true. I mean, I think adults have a hard time understanding other adults sometimes, you know, in our relationships and all our relationships, adults or with children. Um, sometimes it's hard to decode what the other person is saying and actually understand what they're saying and actively listen. So um, it is tough, which is why part of this program is actually being, um, you know, embedded into an, a parenting program where parenting programs usually they, they do work on that side of things, like helping parents communicate with their children, helping parents to, to listen. Um, and as you're saying, kind of like decode what the child is actually um, needing in this. Because, you know, a lot of times kids don't communicate with words, they communicate with actions and so um, helping parents to understand what this, what, what the child is doing, what their behaviour is actually trying to tell you um, is also important. And that's why um, the benefit of this program is being in a wider parenting program that teaches parents these kinds of things. Because I think it is tough, you know, children aren't born with an instruction manual and it's, it's, it's tough. And sometimes we do need a little bit of help to learn that stuff. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure you subscribe so you never miss any of our future episodes. Rate and review Obehead Podcast and share with your friends who might need it. I remain Obehead A14. Thank you so much for listening and talk to you in the next episode.